Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good afternoon, Paige. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. So um, I'm excited today. We're both pretty excited about our guest today. So um, we interviewed Mary Kopenschlag a few weeks ago, or last week maybe, um, and we're interviewing Joshua Bowman Kopenschlag today. So thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? We are hanging in there. It's been a rough day, but that's how it goes sometimes. Um, Why don't you give us like a two-minute bio? Okay, my name is Josh, and I'm an artist from Boulder, Colorado. I went to CU Denver for a couple years and then moved to Santa Barbara, where I finished school and, well, I actually didn't finish, but I went to Santa Barbara to finish school and then ended up moving to LA to pursue my art career as a graphic designer and painter and tattoo artist and basically just have evolved from that to tattooing mainly and painting now awesome very cool um and so tell us a little bit about oh actually no you go hi okay (laughs) we have some questions um what is something you can't go a day without doing I can't go a day without creating something, whether it's drawing or painting or tattooing. Um, I also have a hard time going days without working out or doing yoga, meditating, just things to basically keep my mind occupied and from running constantly. I focus activities, basically. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. What habit have you found that helps your brain the most? Honestly, probably golfing because it takes a lot of concentration to get the results that I'm looking for and a lot of repetition and practice. And I've been told through other coaches and people that the more I'm able to focus on something and quiet my mind, then I'll be more successful in what I do and try to achieve in my goals, basically. I think it's actually a really good combination golf because it it is mentally active, but like you're in your body as well, right? Right. So, and it's just really trying to control my body to to get to a certain place, basically, and put the ball where I want it. And right, yeah, golf's a great sport. But yeah. I have a friend who I tease all the time and say golf's just a good walk, Roman. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's that. <laughs> For sure. Um, what are you excited about today? Ooh, well, to talk to you guys, I'm always excited to talk about ADHD and ADD and just psychology and neurological stuff and my art as well and just activities in general. But I'm gonna go to the course later and practice so i'm excited about that too <laughs> excellent it's, it's turning out to be a nice day since it was kind of yes, good yeah. but now it, it looks good um so tell me a little bit about your painting 
my painting kind of started as just something I would do when I was young, pretty much. Um, I had a hard time sleeping a lot of nights. And so I'd basically kind of draw things that I'd see outside, landscape, things like that. And then it kind of evolved more into people gravitating towards my art a little bit. And then I just wanted to like use a lot of colors and just kind of express my mood or feelings through my painting having my parents be split up when I was born basically my dad and always living in a different state it kind of created I don't want to call it trauma but like I guess a lot of chatter in my brain that I wanted to get away from and so painting was always something that really helped me just focus in the moment and being very kind of like a perfectionist, I was seeking to draw things perfectly or capture images perfectly. And it was really hard for me to do that. So it kept me really focused on just the task at hand and just repetition, repetition basically is what so got there, started. Is there a specific genre that you think you're... I really like to paint people um, and like capture moments basically. Yes. I like to use a lot of like more pop art focused color palettes when I'm painting and graffiti also. My stepdad Chris who you guys probably know is from New Jersey and we would ride the trains into New York a lot as a kid and the graffiti really caught my eye and I just loved the mix of being outside and like creating art for people to just indulge in basically and distract themselves from their walk or whatever you know and that's kind of what got me into art in the first place cool awesome so <clears throat> what led you from you know art school to tattoo artist well I actually was going to college originally for neurology and wanted to do something in medicine or psychology because I was just really fascinated with how my brain worked and how everyone is so different. And I loved biology and anatomy or still do, but that was kind of my focus in high school. And then it transitioned into something more lucrative. So I switched to business school and then I realized I didn't really want to work at a big corporation because I don't do great with large groups of people and micromanaging and things like that. So I decided to like follow my passion and switch to art basically. And so that kind of was where I was steering the ship. And then a lot of people around me in Santa Barbara wanted tattoos and knew that I was good at painting and just art in general and I was working for a painter and a ceramicist at the time for internships so I was learning the business side of art and selling yourself and what sells and what doesn't and those things and so I was getting a lot of tattoos at the time because I've always been really I've always admired tattoos since I was young and really wanted to be a tattoo artist but it was very taboo in my family and just not something I think they really wanted for me, which I understand. And so I ended up taking an apprenticeship at a tattoo shop in Santa Barbara, and it took up a lot of my time and I didn't really have enough time or money. So I 
basically talked to one of the artists there and he helped me get set up in a clean, safe way at my apartment. And which is also very taboo in the industry and not something you should do. But <laughs> I had a lot of friends and clientele that wanted little tattoos. And so it was just basically a way for me to like make money and make my rent and eat and things like that. And it just kind of evolved from there into people really wanting them from me. And um, what brought you back to Colorado from? Los yeah. Um, I living in LA. I always thought, as a teenager and young twenty-year-old, that you needed to live in a big city to be a big-name artist. And every artist I had ever in, ever inspired to be like all were from big cities, like Rome or Paris or Miami, New York, Chicago, and. I, so I moved to LA and then found out that it was, it was great. It was really high competition and competitive and just a hustle and bustle place. So I was constantly working and trying to grow to be like the people around me. And I just kind of got burnt out on that city in particular, because there's just so much hurt and poverty there that I'm a very empathetic person. And it was really hard for me to see that on a daily basis and not have the money or means to help people and play a role that was positive in that society other than just making art and which is great but I didn't have the impact there that I wanted to and so my girlfriend Emily of eight years at the time was going to the fashion institute and she had graduated and came to me one day like I don't really like LA anymore and I think I would prefer a different city. So I named a list of cities, excluding Denver, because I didn't want her to think that I wanted to move back home. And and I honestly didn't at the time. And after I named a bunch of cities all over the U.S. and even outside, she was said, well, what about Denver? And I was like, well, I have friends there. You know, we could get into a house that my friend owns for a good price and I could make larger scale art that was another thing living in Hollywood I didn't have a lot of space to do really big artworks like eight foot plus canvases and so where I live now I have like a detached garage and a studio and like can paint large scale and that really is what pulled me out of LA into coming back to Colorado and as well as I really lost myself in LA I don't know if my mom's told you guys about my story or whatever but <clears throat> I had addiction problems at the time and was partaking in a lot of partying and alcohol and downer drugs and just trying to like numb the feelings around me because I was just sad all the time about this constant state of the city and my friend groups and people around me and just really trying to quiet all that chatter in my brain and kind of didn't have a big direction, was doing a lot of different mediums of art from clothing lines to computer design, graphic design, coding stuff, tattooing, painting. And I just didn't really have every morning I'd wake up and just be like, what do I want to do today versus having a streamline and a plan and a good thought process. So I heard, um, I forget his name, the man that directed Transformers and a 
bunch of movies. Um, oh, he, yeah. he basically had an interview and he spoke about how he everything that he makes artistically ties somewhere into like an experience of his life and he's really into like cars and the underdog story of a, a person coming from a small town to going to do big things and it's like an underline in all of his films and I needed to go I thought for myself and my success was to go get back to my roots remember where I came from surround myself by people that truly did love me for me and not just like my art and whatnot and my ability and just being near the mountains and back in Boulder really was able to bring me back to who I was and remember why I do the things I do and want the things that I want you know so that was all so when you're tattooing, what is that? What does a typical day look like for you? Well, it's interesting. It's not exactly what I want because I like to wake up early and get my work done in the morning because that's when my brain is most active and I'm just very inspired in the morning. But as a tattooist, most of my clients work regular jobs and can't really get in until three or later in the afternoon. So basically... I wake up around 10 or 9 because I stay up really late and I do yoga and meditate and eat and sometimes I'll do a workout and then basically go into the shop around noon and my first appointment's at 12.30 and then I do either like a three to five hour appointment and then another three hour appointment after that or I'll do a long seven or eight hour appointment and basically wrap up around seven or eight p.m and then go home and eat and draw for tomorrow or the next day until about one or two in the morning and fall asleep around 2 30. <laughs> that is late. Yeah. <laughs> um what about like when do you have fine time or make time to paint how does that work in so if I have a cancellation or if sometimes I'll book or I won't book on Mondays so that I can focus on just my accounting and reaching out to clients and booking people and then at the end of that after I get all my basically busy work done then I'll start painting into till I leave around 9 p.m that's when I paint but you're not painting where you tattoo those are different locations I do I do paint sometimes where I tattoo oh do you yeah uh yeah because I've actually moved away from really large scale work I haven't made a canvas that's larger than like five feet by five feet and probably about a year once I really got into basically tattooing five days a week and it just takes a lot of my time and large paintings are a lot of work well actually I still do commission paintings and I did a pretty large one about a seven foot by seven foot a couple months ago like in December and so I'll do commissions and they basically have deadlines for me. They will want it by a certain date. And so I'll just paint late into the night or Sundays, basically whenever I can find time to do it. And I have a little studio in my garage and a second office here where I paint. Are you doing oil paints, acrylics, watercolor? 
I'm assuming it's not yeah, really it's, size, but <laughs> no, I understand. Um, I for tattoo paintings, I use liquid acrylics, and um, that's basically like your traditional tattoo paintings you see on the wall at shops with all the different little little tiny paintings. Yep. And then for my large scale work, I use a lot of oil painting and acrylics, um, as well as aerosol and spray painting. I'm very like mixed media with my paintings. I think certain paints have certain effects and I like to tie that into each painting of mine pretty much. I rarely just do an oil painting or an acrylic. It kind of has a blend of a lot of different stuff. My uh, my mom was a self-taught oil painter. Oh, nice. Right, and and I started with watercolors. Okay. So in high school, when I was in high school, we switched one day. It's a big mistake. Mine just <laughs> mud because I was used to stuff drying quickly, right? Because I did yeah, watercolor. Yeah. Oh yeah. And she like completely destroyed her piece of paper with <laughs> <laughs> the water. And I was like, okay, you take your oils back. I'll take your watercolors <laughs> back, and just stick to your own thing. Um, yeah. But that's cool. It that is yeah. hard. Yeah. Both of those meanings, I would say, are the hardest brush forms of art, for sure. Yeah. Um, what else? What else do we want to know? Do you only do, like, larger tattoos, or do you do, like, littler tattoos? I do do little ones. Um, sometimes, for closer friends, and if I'm finish up early one day, say I'm gonna be there from noon to 8 p.m. and I wrap up around five on my first tattoo and don't have a second one I'll take a walk in or two at night to do like some small little line work or script writing whatever the person wants that walks in basically because at the end of the day um, everyone wants to do big full body tattoos and <laughs> have those portfolio pieces and pieces you could take a photo of and put in an art gallery basically or just the inked magazine tattoos full body work and those are great and beautiful and I definitely want that too it's just those are the people you give large discounts to because you're like I'm gonna tattoo you for a hundred hours this year so instead of $175 an hour, I'll charge you 120 because we're guaranteed a lot of work on this project and we're going to sit together for a long time. And I want to make you feel that you're not paying $20,000 for a body's full of tattoos or whatever. And um, so the little ones though, you have shop minimums and artist minimums where mine, for example, is like around 120. So even if you get a little line on your finger, that takes me 20 seconds you still pay 120 dollars so those ones if you do 10 of those a day you're gonna make a lot more money than if you were to do a full sleeve in a week just because you're basically finishing very quickly and doing not a lot of work and as well as large tattoos on the body you're sitting over the person standing up moving around tons of ink everywhere it's you know it's very strenuous on the body and you're actually making less so there's kind of a little balance between sometimes I'm just 
trying to make some money for the week or sometimes I'm really indulging in like a really cool piece that I want to showcase one day that'll take me 50 plus hours to do so it's crazy so you charge I know like I didn't even think about this so you charge per hour Mm -hmm. like is that how you charge yeah and normally before I would basically quote you if you were to say I really want like a painterly rose on my forearm and I basically ask in the consultation how big do you want it and say they say five inches I know I could fill five inches by five inches in about three and a half hours four hours depending on the the realism aspect or the hyper realism and um so I can kind of give you a quote based on the hours and how much it would be before we start and to basically say, do you want to pay this much for that? Or would you like to find a different artist, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, how far do you book out usually? Um, I personally only do a month at a time. I think I could potentially do more than that. There's a handful of artists at my shop that go six months plus at a time. But for my brain and my ADD and wanting to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, it comes down to, I don't want to know what I'm doing in six months on a Tuesday at 3 PM. I like a little freedom and aspect of, Hey, do you want to go camping this weekend? Or, you know, I like to have that option. <laughs> we just had totally different reactions. I was like, I would love to know what I'm doing. Uh, and she was like, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. I don't want to know what I'm doing. But our brains are very different. Um, so, um, so uh, who does your tattoos? Um, I actually am kind of like a collector in an aspect. I okay. used to just get when I didn't have the means to buy larger tattoos or sessions um i would get a lot of like patch tattoos basically like tattoos about the size of the palm because they would run under 400 dollars basically and i would kind of patch up a little bit on like my arms and legs and then as i grew into really seeing all the availability and what's out there to get i started liking large scale work and so I've been covering up a lot of my tattoos to basically have more of a cohesive full tattoo basically on my whole body versus just having a bunch of little stickers all over me (laughs) and so there are certain artists that one artist at my shop Rick he's been doing like my chest and stomach and then there's another artist Dre who's been doing my full back piece that goes from like the back of my head to right under like my butt and um he's also working on one of the leg sleeves that I have then I also go to conventions and I'll pick up like a little tattoo here and there from people that like Ed Hardy's apprentice I got tattooed by a couple months ago and just if they have a big stake in the industry and the history of tattooing I'd like to give them a small space on my body but other than that I've really stuck to like two or three artists to try to have big cohesive matching tattoos right that makes sense yeah um cool Mm mm-hmm all right tattoo conventions there are tattoo conventions. Yeah. I mean, conventions for everything, right? 
yeah it's they're pretty fun actually there's a lot of the most recent one i went to was in arizona and at the biltmore hotel and that one had probably about 200 different artists uh maybe 90 booths and then a painting section as well for people who were doing oil paintings and the owner of my shop actually knew the artist putting on that convention so we got kind of like a behind the scenes and it was cool to see a lot there's every style of tattooing and every artist there whether you want a full body japanese tattoo or you want little like geometric mandala stuff or whatever you want there's just booth after booth of people tattooing right there and the work you see there really opens your eyes to what's available and what's happening and how far this industry has really came because it's pretty insane what some people do now with their tattoos <laughs> right so is there like a continuing ed component to tattooing Actually, Dre and I, Dre is one of the owners at my shop and him and I, he owns the shop with another guy named Rick, who they've been owners there for about 15 years. And Rick is about to be kind of towards the end of his career. So Dre and I want to move forward and purchase the shop together and then hopefully open a couple other. But Dre and I talk about, we were just saying yesterday how we want everyone at our shop to be continuously educating themselves in seminars that other artists that are really good at what they do offer because it's a lot of specialization in tattooing. So normally if you're one of the greatest at or have a million followers, you're going to be doing one style of tattooing over and over and everyone wants that style from you. So a lot of those people offer seminars and classes and courses at conventions or just through zoom and you can definitely continue to educate yourself as you go and i think that's what separates a lot of people that tattoo artists are a dime a dozen these days i think the landlord because we're looking for a new shop right now or a new location to open a new shop and i told the broker where I lived and he was like did you know there's over 25 shops within a quarter of a mile from your house right now and I was like wow that's so we've really but not a lot of people are great they just want to be a tattoo artist because it's a cool fun job but they don't you know and and that's fine it's they're just there to do a simple tattoo and make a paycheck and but for those that really want to indulge in some really large scale vibrant long-lasting work you definitely need to take classes and continuously educate yourself on new practices and application techniques and things like that great that's awesome um because i'm sure the industry changes too with technology as well right besides like styles but like Mm -hmm. i'm sure that oh definitely we've gone from 15 years ago and still today people were making their own needles and soldering them every morning and needle groupings I should say basically their paintbrushes and man it's and they used coil machines that it was just crazy now we have these little like disposable rotary machines that look like a little pen and you can just pop cartridges in and out you used to have to set up like four or five machines for different liners and different shaders and the technology just has evolved so much. It's 
definitely right? moving towards more of a mainstream consumer item as far as the big brands see and they want to basically up the ante every year on their technology right now right so i used to um used to be a docent at the denver museum and we mm -hmm. did a whole show about etchings that um rembrandt did and yeah he's known as an etcher but like he did these beautiful etching paintings cool. and when you really dive into the process of what he had to do to get a flat copper plate in the time period he was working <laughs> and what i yeah. would have to do like i could just like run Good. over to an art supply store and buy one right but he had to yeah. like he had to literally pound it out right himself like, right? so <laughs> but like so that's the same correlation like they right just used to have to make their own needles like i wouldn't have even thought of that right and it's and with sterilization and everything like that you used to have to autoclave everything and it took hours and you know beginning of the day you'd spend two three hours making needles and at the end of the night you'd be autoclaving for over an hour so that's four hours of your day that's not tattooing and not drawing and you still have to do all that so it was we're in an era of the golden age of tattooing is what they would say right now where there's so many, so much ease and availability and technology right now to like really do some amazing work and not spend your entire life in the shop, basically. Right. Um, so you mentioned that like some other art artists will also be painters in addition to tattoo and you do the same. Is that fairly common? I would say, um, <clears throat> they, mm, at least 60-70% do liquid acrylics and watercolor to basically create flash, which is the designs you'd see on the wall when you walk in. If you would like to like pick one at an older, or not older, but they call them like street shops, basically, where you walk in and you just pick a tattoo off the wall and they just have the stencil and stick it on you. So all of those are going to be hand painted um, on watercolor paper or mixed medium paper with liquid acrylics. And then there's tattoo artists now that are doing a lot of hyper-realism and just realism pieces, painterly realism. Um, a lot of them were originally oil painters and then they found out. Because what made me really go to tattooing is <clears throat> dealing with galleries and like the bureaucracy and red tape and all that stuff that you in business and, 100%. you know, just that world. <laughs> And then judges and panels and just curators and all that. It's just, it's pretty, I don't know, not for me, I guess, <laughs> put it nicely. And um, and then to create lines of work or collections, series, um, that's also really difficult. So I would say I got into tattooing because I didn't want to sell, let's say one painting every six months for thousands of dollars or a couple of them. I would rather make hundreds in a day and have more of a steady paycheck and not have to budget my life based on, I okay, I sold these three paintings, but I'm not going to be in a gallery for another couple months. So I need to save this money. And so a lot of painters kind of went to tattooing because they're like, I'm good with my hand. I know I can apply it. And then I can have more of a steady paycheck and like a, a steadier job, basically. But a lot of us still have the love for painting. So we sure. just continue to paint and just 
if I sell a painting, I'm like, that's just a bonus, like, cool, but so like, what do you like about, what do you like about painting itself? I just love, I'm more of like a loose painter, I would say. I don't love to do hyper-realistic paintings that take 50 hours to do a 12 by 12 canvas. I'd rather do a five by five canvas in like a week, maybe 20, 30 hours total. And um, I like to like stand up and listen to music and move around and just like more of like a Jackson Pollock approach where it's just like, releasing energy onto the canvas with having guidelines like I'll draw in pencil first what my images that I photoshopped so I always have a goal of what I'm trying to get to and looking at a reference so I'm not just like flinging paint but <laughs> um which I like to do too that stuff's fun no, but uh, <laughs> doing a public style painting is very yeah, therapeutic very, do one. <laughs> like I love spatter painting and just grabbing spray paint cans and like stabbing them with the nail and just letting it go or whatever, you know? So I like to move and I like to just listen to music while I paint versus just sitting there and being very like detailed with a tiny little brush. Right. That's what I do when I had to. So I don't want to just sit there hunched over forever my whole life. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Cause like, you know, with watercolor, I would, what I liked about it was that it, like kind of did its own thing sometimes yeah, yeah. right so it likes like the that kind of process i use <laughs> oil pastels now more than anything else i love those and i actually just like love the feel of like when i put it on it's very so it's a very tactile experience for me right it's less actually about the picture than it is about how it feels oh i for me uh-huh i think that's what actually got me into art um or just knowing that it felt so good in my brain was the oil pastels in elementary school. I asked my art teacher, like, can I bring a box of these home? And like, I just sit in the field and like draw the Rockies or the flat irons or flower. Yeah. And like, I just loved the feel of the oil on whatever canvas or so paper. Nice. It's nice. And then you can blend it and it's so smooth mm -hmm. and your gradients are nice. Like it's, yeah. I love pastels. <laughs> Absolutely, they're great. Um, awesome. Anything else? What are we not asking you that we should ask you? Um, I'm trying to think. Maybe like methods of how to cope with what now is ADHD, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing okay. up, it's called ADD. Um, yep. I'm not really, I'm not like the bouncy leg tapping ADHD. Right, not the hyperactive. Um, in the mind, basically, my mind does not Regarding show thoughts. Yeah, and yeah. also why I go to bed at 2 p. Like, I don't think I've taken a nap since I was probably four years old. Like, my mind just doesn't shut off. That's and really funny because we interviewed somebody else this morning. Uh -huh. And when we got to the question of what can't you do, what what do you do like every day? She was like, I nap every day. I used to be ashamed of it, but now I tell everybody I take a nap every day. So you you're know, a napper. I envy that. I, I actually, I still smoke pot and have to every night to basically calm my mind and go to bed. Um, 
and that's like been a coping thing i guess for me because i i actually like dread sleep um if i didn't have if i could just press a button and feel better i would never go to sleep for the rest of my life to be honest i just really don't like sleeping it's like almost a fear anxiety that i have and so that's like a struggle every night when the clock is ticking i'm like i know i need to go to bed but i don't want to go to bed and um so then being tired and things like that because i have a lack of sleep but um i forgot what i was gonna say back to add but um so you're just saying like you're not the foot typer kind of guy it's the bombarding thoughts and that's basically what drew me to during i didn't read a lot also as a kid um I don't know if I just wasn't good at it or reading out loud in class and like kind of getting my people would call me like illiterate in middle school because I just didn't know how to pronounce words. It just didn't. I'm learning now that I'm kind of slightly dyslexic, especially with numbers. And maybe that's why math was kind of hard for me, too. But um, I, I was losing my train of thought. Um, Oh, yeah, I didn't read a lot. And basically, during COVID, there wasn't a ton to do, you know, so I was just painting at the time, because tattooing t definitely took a backseat, being so sure. close and up and personal with people. Um, I started reading and it's been a struggle in my relationships in life having AD ADD, because I'm would say I'm borderline like autistic sometimes the way I just react and I don't I've never thought about what I'm gonna say and how it's gonna affect them before I say it it just comes out naturally and Emily and I used to get in tiffs because I would be hangry and I get really hangry really easily and I probably have a lack of sleep and she'd be like you need to think about what you're gonna say before you say it like you're you're mean sometimes basically and being good at certain things make me seem like I'm condescending and whatever so I just basically needed to like reel myself back and be like okay this is affecting my relationships I really need to start and it'll affect my business and everything going forward and so I was like I need to read about or educate myself more on my condition and what can help me and what what's going on in there and you know just kind of trying to figure myself out and um I started reading books like Driven to Distraction. Yep. Good old classic. Yep. And um there's one called like Feck Perfunction, basically. And it's talking about trying not to be perfect all the time and um just reading books and articles and things to like make me realize what I have, how I act, why I act that way, and why I'm uncomfortable in certain social situations and why I feel so at home in the studio with like quietness. And because I really went from a social party person, always wanted to be with people never alone until I was about 23, four. And then I turned into I'm at peace with like my dog and my paintings in my space with everything organized. And I was like, that was a really <laughs> weird flip in my life. <laughs> um, and then it was hard to pull me out to do social events because I was just anxiety, I guess. And um, so I kind of wanted to like figure out what was going on inside. And through those books, like 
the Ohio method and driven to distraction where it's like only handle things once and um, kind of having a checklist and a goal and just being like, I'm not going to email people about tattoos until my drawings are done, but I can't draw until I eat and after I work out or shower, you know, and really just handling things one at a time and stop like working on 10 things at once because I would work on 10 things at once, whether it was a bunch of paintings or sewing or whatever, and I wasn't getting anything done. So I had to learn how to like so really. Like learning all that stuff, is that where the yoga and meditation came from? Definitely. Um, yeah. I was taught just <laughs> going to school in the 90s and early 2000s in Boulder County that I had teachers, you know, that be like let's go outside and meditate for today in like sixth grade and do yoga and I thought it was super like corny and weird back then <laughs> but <laughs> now I tell people all the time because I also had back issues when I lived in Los Angeles one night my back just went out all of a sudden and I was like hunched over and couldn't walk for like a week and then it would happen every year for about five years like in March time and um, I didn't really know what was going on as far as that went. And I realized I was just hunched over all the time and not working out really much. And sorry. And um, so I knew in tattooing, being bending over people all day, my back was going to be the thing that made or break my career and longevity. Once, can, can I grab him really quick? Sure. My dog. Sorry. No worries. Um, Oh, yeah. he's he's good. Sorry. He's good. All right. We're fun. <laughs> he's just a little dachshund and just barks at everything. But um, I knew my back was going to ruin me, basically. And as a golfer, I couldn't golf. I couldn't do anything. And it really made me think about how hard life is for some people that aren't able to walk, basically, because I was just bedridden and couldn't move. And it would really frustrate me some days because I grew up really athletic and moving was essential to my sanity. And um, so I kind of went in a darker place during all that and found yoga to be the cure to my life basically and I tell people all the time I'm like you should do yoga it really helps your mental and physical state and like your stabilizer muscles and just we sit down constantly as Americans and just modern people and it's just that's not what our bodies are meant to do so if you want a full life and mobility I feel like you got to wake up and stretch and move every day and just the vitamin d outside being Having ADD, I realized, played into being polar emotional where I'm either really happy or I'm really sad. And, like, if I go sad, then I have to, like, be proactive about pulling myself out of that because it's just a never-ending thought process. And so, mm -hmm. like, studying about biology and how vitamin D from 11.50 to 12.10 in the afternoon and all these things like really change your outlook on life and your day and how you feel. And so I would just go do yoga in my backyard at like 1150 to 1230. And it just changed my life. And I was like, wow. Is there a specific form of yoga that you practice? I, I like 
in the beginning i liked the like vinyasa yoga where it was like constant moving and not really holding poses because my mind just she'd be like all right we're gonna be here for two minutes and i'm just like i can't sit like this for two minutes i just like don't have the mental strength to do that and but now actually i've gotten into like traditional yoga really where it's like deep stretches and focusing on your breathing patterns and and it's almost meditation within stretching and yoga so holding poses for longer so when you're doing a tattoo project that's longer right do you find yourself (laughs) using the that breathing technique to like definitely stay where you are yeah um i i also like get everyone at the shop like doing yoga they make funny videos of me all the time like stretching they're like yoga with josh today but (laughs) it's like guys we have to do this um we're all just like shrimps all the time our backs are just curled (laughs) we're doing these long sessions we like have to do this so the breathing too because when i meet new people i get nervous and then it, it makes my hand shake a little bit and so when I'm sticking a stencil and it's little tiny like tissue paper, it shows your shake very easily and apparently. So I um will go in the back while I'm printing my stencil and do like a two minute breathing session that really calms me down and just like they're here for you. You know, it's divine. I truly believe every person that walks in asking for me is meant I'm meant to tattoo them we're meant to have a conversation today so I really like set back in that and just breathe and like this is meant to be so just relax and do what you do and everything will be okay basically that's what I tell myself (laughs) (laughs) that's your little story um this guy that's a good story um awesome well thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it um yeah Do you have any other questions? I think we're good. Okay. Um, Let me just going to stop the recording. Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at thendtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to the neurodiverse toolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.